we welcome you. Welcome those of you from Victory, from other churches that are joining us tonight. Those of you that are online, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here this evening. How many of you are ready to receive the Word of God and the ministry of the Spirit? Amen? I believe that God saves the best for last. The first service was good. The second service was gooder. And the third service tonight is going to be goodest. So you're in the right place. We believe God for the move of his Holy Spirit. We do not have time constraints. If you feel at any time you have to leave, please do so quietly. But let's take time to be in the presence of God. What God wants to do tonight is more important really than anything else. Isn't that true? And so would you stand together with me one more time? And I want to introduce our speaker. Then I want us to pray one more time to be responsive to what the Spirit of God wants to do. God has brought you here tonight. God had this on uh, his calendar, and he has a purpose and a plan for this evening. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you are about to do. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. And we express and release our faith towards you. God, we know in your word the importance of, of faith and perseverance. Lord, we have waited upon you. We have trusted you for many things. And Lord, we believe tonight there will be an increase. There will be a blessing upon what you are doing, God. We thank you for your serve, anoint her with fresh oil. God, we pray that you would just bless her, that she might be a blessing tonight. God, you also know her needs, you know her burdens and her cares for her church, the ministry, all that you've placed upon her heart. Lord, we see her come up here and, and just minister the word and pour out, but we also know, God, you, we, she needs you to pour into her and just fill her and, and encourage her heart. So God, we pray, Lord, even as your word says, that the hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the fruits. God, let her partake of what she's going to minister in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's give a great big welcome to Pastor Lynn Lucas. God bless her as she ministers the word of God. Good evening. Um, the team and I have had such a great time here. and I had such a wonderful time with your pastors at lunch today. I love their heart for Israel. I love just the way they think about the world. And um, it's, just, it's just such a great season in the body of Christ. And I think that as we know what it is to reach out and pray and minister for other people, I think that we're going to see so many things happen. Bible tells us, pray ye one for another that you may be healed. So the more we are out there and we're there for each other, I think the more we're going to see God do for us. I read a book by Reinhard Bonnke. He, he wrote a book in that book that riveted me. And this is what Reinhardt said. To those who have the spirit, it is to expect the miraculous. To those who believe in the spirit, it's to believe in the miraculous. To those that walk in the spirit, it's to move and walk in the miraculous. But this is the part I want you to hear. For we were made for signs and wonders. And we were made by God. 
for signs and wonders and miracles and authority. When man was first created, he was created to fellowship with God. He was, fellowship, he was created to walk and talk with God every night. And God gave him the exousius authority to rule this earth because God had one plan. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And his plan was to fill the earth with people that knew who God was, walked with God every day, expected God to be there, and had that element in our lives that made us people that just could reach out and call God friend. And that's what he wanted. And Satan hated that. And he went out to turn the mind. I want you to just, just, God was just talking to me during worship about how Satan wants to turn our mind. And when Satan can turn our mind, he can get us afraid. When he can get us afraid, he can pull us off track. He can cause us to stop. He can cause us to waste unnecessary time when we were on the right road in the first place. But if he can get us afraid, come on, we just put the brakes on. And we, we begin to move over here, we begin to move over there, and we lose our focus. And so what we've got to realize is that as God's putting us in a season of revival, for those of us that truly believe in the Holy Spirit, listen, it's not just a creed. It's not just a doxology. We have to believe in the Holy Spirit. We have to believe he's real. We have to believe he's vibrant. We have to believe he's right there with us. We have to believe that he was sent from God to surround us, to tabernacle with us. And as we begin to believe, truly believe, it's we begin to expect miracles. And what's happened to the church is we've stopped expecting. And we've got to get back into expectation. Because you know what? We get what we expect. And if we expect problems, guess what we get? Problems. And if we expect that God will answer our situations and move us from problems to victory, guess what happens? He moves us from problems to victory. And I absolutely love the next part of that. And he said, listen, not only do we expect the miraculous, we believe in the miraculous. Listen, it's entirely different to expect something and believe in it. And expectation is, well, I expect God to do it, you know, someday. I expect God to do it for Pastor Richard. But when we begin to believe in miracles, it's God's going to do it now. God's going to do it right now in my life, in this day, and he's going to do it for me. And we all have those battles with our thoughts. And I'm telling you, Satan would love to get us so afraid that we absolutely freeze right where we are. And we pull off, and we, we undo things, and we restart things, all of which takes time. 
And the truth of the matter was, we were probably on the right place in the first place. And the next thing is, to walk with the Spirit is to move and work in the miraculous. And I want you to see the progression here. When we begin to say, I believe in miracles, we're pulling them for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? But now in this next step, when we walk in the Spirit, now we're flowing in miracles for other people. Those miracles are not coming. We're not flowing in miracles for us. We're flowing in miracles for our neighbor. We're flowing in, in miracles for the guy at Dunkin' Donuts. We're flowing in the miraculous for wherever we work. And the season now is God is after our minds so that we realize, wait a minute, I was made for signs, wonders, and miracles. And all that does is set us up for where we are going. And when God made that statement to me, he was talking to me about a particular issue, and he, he just was saying, you, you let the devil get a hold of your head. Come on. And you know what? We, we've got to start getting a hold of our head and going, hold on. Just hold on. That's not where we're going. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings. This is not a message I planned. This is a message I wrote. And when I tell you I wrote it in the car, Pastor Chris will tell you I wrote it in the car. <laughs> I want you, as we go to 2 Kings, I want you to see a man who had an expectation. Come on. And he had an expectation for something impossible. He had an expectation for something to happen, a gift to be given to him by God himself that just was unheard of. But he had an expectation. We're going to go to the last of the story and go to the first of the story. So you have him walking with Elijah, Elijah. And you have Elisha saying in verse 15, well, let's go back before that. And it came to pass that when they'd gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I'm taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now the first thing that we have to look at is that the word ask in that sentence means ask me any favor you want. And I want you to get an understanding that there are moments in time where God says to us, either through people or through the Holy Spirit, ask me for whatever you want. We have to be careful how we respond. We have to be careful what we ask for. Elisha didn't even take a breath. He said, I know exactly what I want. I want double the Holy Spirit that you've got. And in this season, 
that we've, we're in this new era, and this is the beginning season of this new era. And in this season, we can begin as individuals to pull on God and say, as great as things were back here, I want double. I want triple. I want quadruple. Because in this new era, God is looking for people who are not limited by their minds. He's looking for people that don't care if they do crazy things. He, he does, he's looking for people that, that just refuse to look at circumstances and situations and take them as the end result. He's looking for people who say, I don't care how crazy it is, but I'm standing here and I'm on the edge of this thing and I know it can go bad, but I'm believing it's not going to go bad and I believe we're going to see a credible outpouring of God and begin to not just mouth it, but so believe it that it consumes every moment of our life. You see, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. If Elisha hadn't had this on his mind, come on. When Elijah said, ask me for a favor, it would have taken him a period of time to formulate his request. But this was on his mind. He was future thinking. Church, we've got to get future thinking. We've got to get thinking. We're not going to stay like this. God, as individuals, whatever situation we're in, I don't want to stay that way. Whatever situation I'm in, I don't want to be held by those borders anymore. Whatsoever situation I'm in, I don't want it to just be life as usual. You see, Elisha had had an encounter with Elijah. And when God told Elijah to go anoint Elisha, God said to him, you go anoint your successor. And God said some things to him, told him what Elisha would do and who Elisha would uh, actually kill and what would happen and who he was going to be. And so knowing the, the nature of Elijah, from what we get in Scripture, he was a man that kept pressing Elisha to grow more, to believe more, to get more radical. And you know what? You can't get much more radical than Elijah was. I mean, I want you to think about him. Elijah was a man that would walk into a vineyard and call the king of, of Israel. He called him a liar. He called him an adulterer. He called him a thief. He called him all kinds of things. This guy was radical. And so he was instilling inside of Elisha, get radical. And in this season, in this new era, I can hear the Holy Spirit shouting out over the church, get radical. I can hear him say to us as individuals, don't be contented in the boundaries you're in. Shake those boundaries. And Elisha had had a lifetime 
with Elijah. He traveled with him. Bible says he poured water on his hands. He was his servant. He did all kinds of things for him. Come on. And if he had not been thinking, if God had not said to him, I'm taking him today. Think about that. God told Elisha, I'm going to take Elijah from you that day. Think about that. He didn't tell him how. He didn't tell him where. And he didn't tell him when. He just told him, I'm taking. So Elisha was on his toes. Come on. Is it now? Is it here? Is it this moment? The next thing that I hear the Holy Spirit shouting out over the church, get on your toes. Get on your toes and go, does it start now? Does it start here with me? Am I ready? Is it going? Am, what do I need to do? What needs to still be done in my life? Where, where am I? Where, is it here? And keep moving. And we're going to go back and pick up the front part of this story in a little bit. Because Elisha was a man who didn't really care what people think. And I want to challenge you with the Holy Spirit moving, saying, stop caring what people think. I heard Pastor Lisa say, begin to shout out Jesus over your families. Now, I don't know. I just didn't hear a lot of shouts. Come on. I just didn't hear a lot of shouts. And sometimes we get so worried about what the person is thinking sitting next to us, come on, that we want to say, Jesus, but we say, Jesus, because we're afraid. And in the first part of this story, Elisha was calmly telling the other prophets that were talking to him, shut up, I know. He was saying, I don't want your input. I got this. It's me and God, and I got a plan, and I got a purpose, and I got something on my mind. And I can imagine Elisha's, they went from place to place. Elisha was saying, mm, when do I get to ask? When do I get to ask? This is what I want. And the next thing that I hear the Holy Spirit shouting out over us as individuals in the church, what do you want to see? Come on. Not what does Pastor Richard tell you you need to see. Come on. But what do you want to see? And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, let me give you a mindset, a vision for things like never before. I'm so grateful. When I first started ministering and I was a pastor, I was too young to be away from my mother. I do not know why God called me to do it at the age he called me to do it. I, it was just, he, he had to be crazy because I wasn't walking into a place where there was already a church building and there was already a congregation. I was walking into a town that had never had a church and by its law would never have a church unless God did a miracle. And there was a mentor her name was Dr. Vera Griffin, and Dr. Fuchsia Pickett put her on my back. 
and she took me to this place in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And it was massive. It was a warehouse the size of a football field. And I'm not kidding you. It was a football field. And in this back portion of this building, it was all old books. And they had this massive section of nothing but old pastor's libraries. And she handed me a grocery cart. And she said, you can have any book you want, but I'm not going with you. You have to choose. Now, I get back there, and I'm looking at names, and I'm looking at authors, and I, I finally just stopped in the middle of the aisle. I said, look, God, I'm a therapist. You put me in a psychology section, I know who I want. But I don't know any of these dudes. I don't know what this is. I don't know what to buy. I don't know what not to buy. So I'm going to make a deal with you. You put a light on every book I'm supposed to buy, and I'll throw it in the cart. And that's what I did. So I walked up. I didn't look at the names. It wouldn't have mattered to me anyway. I walked down the aisle, and if a light hit a book, I just threw it in the, book, the cart. And I'd walk a little further. If a light hit, I threw it in the cart. So when I got up to the front, the cart was to the top with books. And Dr. Griffin said, what did you buy? I said, I have no idea. I said, I just asked God to put a light on every book I was to buy. And I threw them in the cart. She said, well, I'm not arguing with that. She bought every one of the books and paid to ship them to New York. Chris will tell you. I have one of the largest libraries of out-of-print revival books you can imagine. And they fill my upstairs study. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And as I read those books, I got excited. And the more I read those books, I... The books on the Red River Valley Revival, they will absolutely light your fire. And as I read the books, I got a glimpse. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I got a glimpse of where the church had been. And I started saying, why are, isn't it now? Come on. Why don't we have this now? Why isn't this going on now? Why is, aren't people doing these things now? But you see, what it did, what it put inside of me was a focus of saying, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And I want everything else that I haven't read about that, that does that. We have to get a focus of where we are headed. And we've got to know, what do I want? What do I want to see? What do I want to flow in? What do I want imparted to me? And as they walked, they just talked. And there came a point where they were at the end of the journey. And Elijah turned to him and said, what do you want? What favor do you want? And I can hear Elisha thinking, finally, 
And he goes, I want a double portion of what you've got. And I don't know why King James translated this this way. Elijah did not say, you've asked a hard thing. Elijah said, you've asked something I can't give, but it's a good thing. Because you see, this is what he asked for. I want a double portion. I want what you give the firstborn son. And Elijah goes, that's, that's above my pay grade. I can't do that. But if you see me taken from you, that means God's going to do it for you. And what happened? I bet you as attentive as Elisha had been, come on, I bet you he was so attentive at that moment that Elijah didn't get, I bet he moved over closer to him. I bet you he did. And I bet you they were bumping elbows with each other because it was like Elisha was saying, I'm not taking my eyes off you. I'm going to know the minute you leave, and I have no idea how you leave, but if he thinks he's just dematerializing you, that's not happening because I'm touching. <laughs> and the Bible says that the chariot of fire parted them. That's how close they were. The chariot of fire had to drive between them. And I want you to look at Elisha. He goes, my father, my father, the horseman of heaven, I believe is the way it reads. But what's the next thing he did? He took his cloak off and he tore it. He hadn't seen the mantle of Elijah, but he tore his identity to open up for a new identity. He took off everything that was his, tore it up, and was standing there going, I don't know what a double portion's going to look like, but I'm getting my double portion. And I'm ready to sheed, to shed my identity. As individuals in the church, we've got to come to a point with God where we shed our identity. The identity people have put on us, come on. The identity we've put on ourselves by our limits and our failures, we, we got to shed that. And we have to begin to say to God, who am I? And I want that identity and double that identity. And I, I, want, I want you to hear me. Everybody that's breathing on this earth has a purpose and a plan. God is just waiting for us to say, who am I? And all of a sudden, things that have happened to us in our past are going to make sense to us. All of a sudden, we're going to say, God, why did I go to Zion instead of a different Bible school? Come on. God, why was I at Zion when, when it was a faith school and they prayed in meat? 
Why was I at Zion when there was such a move of the spirit where one class would blend into another class? I was, I was talking to Pastor Richard and Pastor Lisa yesterday, and they were talking about how one class, there would be such a move of the spirit, and the next class was coming in down the hall, and they just blended into that first class. You've you got to ask yourself, why'd that happen? Why was I there? Why was I marked like that? you got to ask yourself, why did I end up in a church with two pastors from Zion that have that DNA, that have that foundation underneath them, that have that expectation? You're not in this church by happenstance. You're not in this church because you stumbled here. You're in this church to be marked and shaped by what their foundation is. Do you not think that Elisha was so marked by the years he spent with Elijah? Don't you think he was so marked by bumping shoulders with Elijah? Think, think about the miracles he encountered. And I asked Pastor Richard, I said, when, what happened? How did that, that come to you? You, you? you prayed through things, they were doing that. What happened when there wasn't a need to do that anymore? What happened when things got better? What happened when Sister Gibson wasn't around anymore? And he said the most interesting thing to me at lunch today. He said, that was okay. He said, because what was the lady's name? Mary Campbell Wilson had be, been trained by Reverend Gibson and had been so marked by her that you know what he said? He said, because of that, I had a connection with, with, with Mrs. Gibson, Reverend Gibson. I was marked by Mrs. Gibson because I was marked by the woman that he was with, Mary Campbell Wilson. I, I was marked by her. But I was really marked by Mrs. Gibson because Mrs. Gibson marked her. So now what I want you to hear is you're not in this church by accident. You're in this church to be marked, come on, by the things that marked Mrs. Gibson. Because in this new era, we're going to be marching by faith. We're going to be warring by faith. We're going to be living by faith. We're going to be expecting the miraculous. We're going to be expecting provision that we just don't have. That's just the way it is. We went to pick up food on Wednesday and there just wasn't any. It's just, there just wasn't anything there. And I have a, a young man that goes with me now on Wednesdays, and he's kind of some of the, the muscle. And he said to me, what are we going to do? And I said, well, this is only Wednesday. We'll go back tomorrow. We'll get what we need. He said, but I can't go tomorrow. I said, that's okay. We'll get what we need. They call me and they give us 2,500 pounds of food. Hmm? 2,500 pounds of food. 
They give us boxes of sandwiches that were, had been frozen, and it was a sandwich, and it was potato chips, and it was a drink, and it was a dessert. It was so cool. And they gave us all these boxes. So when Joey came in on Friday, he said, how did we do? I said, look at the boxes, and look at this, and look at that, and look at the other thing. Why? Because I'm marking Joey. Come on. Because Mar Joey will be here long after I'm gone. And I'm marking Joey so that Joey can say, oh, it's only Wednesday. Come on. Come on. And Joey went with me on, on Friday, and he said, are we going to EMF? I said, oh, no, we were there yesterday. He said, you were. I said, yeah, we got two big boxes. He said, do we have any room anywhere? I said, no, Joey, we filled all the freezers, all the refrigerators, and all of the 12 uh, coolers that we've got. Wow. And you know what Joey said to me? He said, you said we'd be okay. Come on. Yeah. Come on. We've got to realize there is no happenstance in God. You are not sitting in this church for no reason. You are sitting in this church to be infected. Yeah. Yeah. To be infected with what rattled the cages of hell through Mrs. Gibson. Don't you think hell was afraid of that woman? Come on. I know he, hell was afraid of her. And hell wasn't thrilled with that Mary Campbell Wilson either because now they had a younger Mrs. Gibson and it was like, this just doesn't stop. <laughs> and I bet you that hell held its breath because the last thing they wanted was a double-portioned Elijah. Come on. Come on. Last thing they wanted. You're in this church to say whatever he has and whatever he got from Mary Campbell Wilson, I want double that. I want triple that. I want quadruple that. I want hell to be terrified that this church is here, this church is alive, and this church is moving. So he took his mantle. He tore it up. He said, I want the identity that God is going to give me. People, get your identities and tear them up. And get on your face with God and say, who am I? Why did I go to Zion? Why am I in this church? Why did I have this encounter? Why did I get this book? Why am I hearing this on television? Why do I have a hunger to, to watch and listen to revival radio TV? What's going on inside of me? And start being aware that those things are happening to you because God is changing your identity. He picks up the mantle. And the last miracle that he saw Elijah do was part the waters of the Jordan River. 
he asked a very powerful question. He took Elijah's mantle. He struck the waters. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Do you know what he was saying? Are you with me? Did I get it? Did I do it? Do I have more than just the mantle? Do I have it? Are you with me? And the Bible said the waters parted. And he strolled across the Jordan. I bet you as that man walked, I bet he got straighter. I bet he got taller. I bet he had a bigger smile on his face. I bet he walked with louder force than he ever had before. And why do I say that? Because the school of the prophets that met him on the other side said, oh, he has the spirit of Elijah. And I bet Elisha was saying, no, I don't. I have to. <laughs> we have to believe in this season, in this new era, that God is mantling us like never before. And it doesn't matter what we were. What matters is who we are. We've got to start saying, what am I doing with the things God has given me? What am I doing with the experiences God has given me? And if it's nothing, get on your feet and start doing something. It doesn't matter if what you do might not be the best in the world. Just keep at it. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it because the Holy Spirit's going to say, okay, now do this. Okay, listen, you didn't listen to me last time. This is what I want you to do. And the more you listen, the greater you get. And we have to stop saying, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm uneducated, I'm too educated. Stop it. Come on, come on. There are no excuses. We are either mantled by the Holy Spirit or we're not. And if we're not, then get it. Because that's what he's after. So now I want you to go back to the front of the story. Because you see... I'm riveted by the front of the story and I'm riveted by what God said to me about the front of the story. And it came to pass that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Phrase, from Gilgal. Gilgal means rolling. Gilgal was where the children of Israel coming across the Jordan to take the land were circumcised. Now please hear me. We can no longer dwell in our salvation experience. We just can't. There are many people whose testimony is, I'm saved. Glory to God, this is what God did for me. I'm saved. And the story ends there. We can't stay at Gilgal. 
and Elisha made an interesting statement to him. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I'm not leaving you. So they went to Bethel. There has to be a call deep inside of us that says, I'm so happy I'm saved. I'm so grateful I'm saved. I'm so grateful I'm forgiven. I'm so grateful I'm a child of God. But isn't there another stop on the train? And Elisha had a purpose. Elisha wanted the double portion. So he wasn't going to stay at salvation. Come on. So the next step was Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. Bethel is where Jacob had the incredible vision of angels going up and down. And we meet something new. There was not a school of the prophets. Think about what I'm about to say at Gilgal. Because you see, that was just step one. But there was a house of prophets at Bethel. And the sons of prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know. Hold your peace. Isn't that a pretty way of saying shut up? But And in the house of God, in this next step, there's vision. In this next step, there's prophetic utterance. In this next step, there's a whole new reality of the intimacy with God. But if it stops there, it does no good to have information without action. Mm -hmm. And you see, sometimes we get to the second stop on the train. And we so love the presence of God. Come on. We so love the house of God. We so love the vision in the house of God. We so love the prophetic unction in the house of God. We're so excited that God talks to us. Back in Gilgal, we were saved, but we didn't know he talked. But at the house of Bethel, we're so excited. He talks. Oh, my goodness. I was praying, and I asked this, and the next thing I knew, he gave me a scripture verse. And the scripture verse gave me an answer. Come on. I was praying, and he answered me. Years ago when our church first started, I told you I was too too young to do the job. And I taught what I had been taught. Hear me. Are you hearing me? So this is what I taught. God doesn't speak audibly anymore. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his prophets, but he doesn't speak audibly anymore. So it was in the middle of the winter, and I was driving. I remember the place I was. I'll never forget it. 
I was on Pulaski Road by a Methodist church. And a voice in the car said, back off that truck. And I slammed on the brakes. And I'm looking around. There's nobody in that car. And I'm going, uh-oh. I'm not well. So I sped up behind the truck. And the voice got a little louder, and the voice said, I said, back off that truck. And I slammed on the brakes. And I'm looking around me, and I'm going, oh, i got to call one of my colleagues because I've put people away for this. This is not good. And I regathered myself, and I sped up behind the truck. And the voice said, back off that truck right now. And I slammed on the brakes. At that moment, a curtain that had surrounded this pickup, they had built a frame, and they had put a curtain around the pickup. And at that very moment, the wind opened that curtain, and a snow shovel came at me blade first. And because I backed off the truck, it hit the ground right in front of my car and bounced to the right. And the voice very quietly said, Now, don't ever say I don't talk audibly again, because I will whenever I want to. So I'm here to tell you, you may be praying for something, and you may get an audible answer. Don't shake it off. Don't decide it was you. You're not that smart. But what happens is we get so contented in Bethel. Oh, please hear what I'm about to say. We're so excited that we know what's going to happen. We get out of position and are not part of what's going to happen. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. God's called me to Jericho. And Elisha said, nope, I don't care how good it is. I'm staying with you. As my soul lives and your soul lives, I'm staying with you. So they now get to Jericho. Now this is the third stop on the train. And Jericho means fragrant. And so now they had salvation. They had the house of God, the provision of God. They had vision. They had prophetic utterance. And now they're at the third stop on the train. And they're at Jericho. And now they add worship. And they're learning worship. They're learning what it is to worship him, to be saturated by his presence, to smell him, to know just how amazing he is, how, how beautiful he is, how wonderful he is. And they're learning this element of worship. And the prophets go to him and say, hey, did you know God's going to remove Elijah from your head today? 
And Elisha said, shut up, I know. And Elijah says to him, listen, God's called me to the Jordan. Stay here. And Elisha said, as my soul lives and as you live, I'm not leaving you. And they leave Jericho. And you see, we don't like the fourth stop on the train. Because the fourth stop on the train is the Jordan. And the Jordan means to descend. We're not real thrilled with descending. Come on, we're humans. Come on. We have no desire to be the last man in line. Come on. Come on. I'm so amused sometimes in New York when I go and I, I, you know, they've got all those things with those little feet and they say stand here. And so when all the little feet are full, then, then people are kind of trying to figure out where to stand to the right and to the left. And so when the line moves and somebody from the right or the left can now step on one of the feet, if one person got there ahead of the other person and the other person thought they could go and they step in there, the person that was on the other side go, it's my turn. <laughs> we don't like to wait. Come on. We don't like to descend. We don't like the process of descending. And there's a biblical principle. It's the birth of a vision the death of a vision, the resurrection of a vision. Because you see, it's God's way of saying, are you with me for the goodies or are you with me? You see, it's easy to be with God in salvation. It's great to be with God in Bethel. It's amazing to be with God in worship. But if we want that next step, we still have to descend. And I think that the one, this next verse is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And it says that 50 of the school of the prophets of Jericho followed them from afar. <coughs> Didn't cross. They knew what was going to happen, but they didn't want to pay the price to descend. And so they watched from a distance. But Elisha's answer was the same as it had been on all the preceding stops of the train. As my soul lives and as your soul lives, I'm not leaving you because you see he didn't care. Descend if I have to, but I'm asking for a double portion. So when you descend, there's an ascension sometime. And so when he was walking with him, he could ask for a double portion. He could ask for the firstborn son's right. He could ask for the vision he had because he had never taken his eye off God's plan. 
And I wasn't kidding you when I said it's a season where we have to take our identities off. We have to tear them up. And we have to say, God, who am I? God, what am I? I think for me it started a year ago. And I seem to be telling certain people in our church, focus, focus. Don't add this and don't add that. God gave you this, focus. Because in this season, in this new era, the biggest thing God is shouting out over us as individuals, don't lose your focus on who you are in God, who I've made you to be, who I've called you to be. We need to be on our faces saying, God, why did I have this encounter? God, why did I have that encounter? God, why did this happen to me? God, why did that happen to me? Why did you pour spiritual wealth into me? He doesn't waste it. It wasn't happenstance. You didn't decide to go to Zion. You didn't decide to come to this church. You didn't decide to live in providence. Listen, God directs us. God leads us. And he's saying to us, focus. Focus. Because you can't ascend till you descend. And then when you start the ascension and that first obstacle is in front of you, your cry is, where is the Lord God? Is he truly with me? And you watch that obstacle part. And then people look at you and people go, I don't know what happened to you. Come on. But you're different. I don't, I don't know what happened to you. But you, you, to be around you feels different. Come on. And you're going to start having more and more opportunities in the kingdom of God. And if, if the worship team is here, could you just come to the platform? I can't spot you real easy. There we go. You're over there. As you come to the platform, Pastor Tara, I want you just to play whatever God gives you, okay? But I'm going to tell you a little story. I had been contacted by Foursquare, and they were saying to me, would you start our first church in Long Island? And I explained to them why no, I would not be a senior pastor. And they kept saying, are you sure? And I kept saying, I'm very sure. And they kept calling, and I kept saying no. I was on staff in an Assembly of God church. I was happy there. And I went down for a minister's conference, and I was in Shekinah. And I got there because our car broke down late. And as I walked into the, the conference, they were they were singing this little song. So just, I got to get a melody in my head, so just wait just a second. 
they were singing this little song. And the song was very simple. And this was the song. I will follow, I'll follow the Lamb wherever he leads me. I will follow the Lamb, I will follow, I'll follow the Lamb wherever he leads me. I will follow the Lamb. And the Holy Spirit said, you can't sing that song. And I said, yes, I can. I gave up a very high-paying job. I left a more sane part of this country. I live in New York. I'm working in churches that can barely hold it together. Yes, I can. And I opened my mouth and said, I will follow. And the Holy Spirit said, I said, shut up. You can't sing that song. Anytime you are saying no in any area of your life, you can't sing that song. Now, there was two sessions in the morning and a session at night, and we had five days every session and it seemed like they did it for an hour at a time and I am standing there and everybody's got their hands in the air going I will follow I'll follow and I'm I said shut up I'm telling you tonight if there's any area of your life where you're saying no, if there's any area of your life where you're saying, I want to stay at Gilgal, if there's any area of your life where you're saying, I want to stay at Bethel, if there's any area of your life where you're saying, I want to stay at Jericho, you cannot expect to follow the Lamb. Because anywhere you say no, or anywhere you stop moving that disqualifies you. And so I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know who you are. But I have learned that God right now is after people who are in the church but not saved. In the church but backslidden. So I just want every eye closed every and every head bowed. I really don't want you looking around. But if there's anybody here tonight and you say, I, I'm not saved. I know all about Jesus. I know all the language. But I'm really not saved. This is your night. If you're saying, I'm in the church, but I'm backslidden. I've got one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I don't live Monday through Saturday the way I say I live on Sundays. I just want you to lift your hand. We're going to have somebody with you. Is there anybody in that category? If you are, raise your hand. We're going to have somebody move with you right now. Okay. 
This altar call is very targeted. If you're willing to say, I, I, I'll follow the Lamb. If you're willing to say, I'm going to tear up my identity. If you're willing to say, I never thought of it before, but I'm not in this church by happenstance. If you're willing to say, I really desperately want to know why I've had the spiritual encounters I've had. Because I want to be who he said I was, not who everybody else said I was. The altars are open for you. If you're sitting in this room and you put yourself in a box, oh, please hear me. And you're like I was. I had all these nice reasons why I could not be a senior pastor. Come on. And they all sounded spiritual and they all sounded good. But I put myself in a box God didn't intend me in. If you're in this room and you've got yourself in a box, this altar call is for you. If you're in this room and you have been afraid to descend because you didn't know if he'd ever let you ascend, this altar call is for you. If you're sick, this altar call is for you. So as the worship team begins to play, you come, we're going to work among you. We're going to pray for you. My team's coming. Pastors are coming. You just come as they minister.